There is only one place you can get a true Colorado mountain pie. It's your favorite locally owned legendary Bojo's. And guess what? They're giving the DNVR fam a free honey cheese bread with a purchase of an entree. The Colorado mountain pie has become a staple for not only natives, but for those who are just passing through. And obviously the best place to get one is Bojo's. So head on over to whichever Bojo's you are closest to as they do have multiple locations and they will get you hooked up with some of that sweet honey cheese bread. You have to try it. I Try it before you make a decision on it. I'll put it that way. The honey on pizza is something interesting. It's not my favorite, but many, many people love it. So give it a go, or you can just go to any Bojo's, and they will have something for you, whether it's their salad bar or Colorado beers on tap, including Breckenridge Brewery and even gluten-free pizzas in some locations, as well as private party rooms if you're looking to host a private event. So go on down to Bojo's. Bojos.com. That's B-E-A-U-J-O-S.com to check them out. Tell them who sent you and get in on that free honey cheese bread bites. And Cole gets another good righty and another right by Cole. A left by Cole this time. Tipped in front by Mika Rentinen. He shoots and scars. Nathan McKinnon. Call J.T. Comfer, 877 goes now. Gabriel Landeskog, collective hugs, 29 and 92. See me by Grubauer. Move over, Picasso. This piece of art is by McKinnon. My goodness gracious. Welcome into the DNVR Avalanche Podcast, presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. They have over 1,000 different types of beer for you to try, as well as wines from around the world, and fine single malts and rare whiskeys, too. You can download their app today and use code FIRST10 to receive 10% off your purchase of $25 or more, and that code ends on January 31st, so get on it while you still can. They have two convenient locations in Centennial and Highlands Ranch, or you can get it delivered to your door as well through the app. That's code FIRST10 to get 10% off your purchase of $25 or more. I'm Nathan Rudolph. He is AJ Hayfley, and we are back. It's been a while since the two of us have answered your questions, as Evan filled in last week for us to answer all of the questions out there. So we figured it was time to hand out some of our opinions as well. AJ, are you finally starting to feel good enough to answer some questions? Uh, I don't sound great, but I feel much, much better. All right. Baby steps. Getting there. Yeah. It, the voice is always the last thing to come back for me. So yeah. it's fine. All right. Well, the abs beat is slowly getting healthier and healthier, hopefully. Let's start with an interesting question. From the DNVR website. Again, if you want to get your question asked and you are a member of DNVR, ask it on the comments in this pod and we'll be sure to give you guys priority first. J-Law asks, who do you think will be the first Avalanche player to score a lacrosse style goal as they seem to be in vogue right now? Oh, I'm going to go with Donskoy. You think? Yeah. 
boy. All right. I I guess I could see that. I'm definitely someone who does like that move to to wrap behind the net. I kind of think it's going to be Rantanen. Yeah, he was my other guess. Just because Rantanen is often regularly set up in behind the net, and at some point he's going to catch a goalie looking the wrong way, and I could see him just flipping it up on the stick like that. So, I don't think it'll be McKinnon. I don't either. (laughs) Because he just doesn't work from behind the net that he much. Moves so. too quickly. Yeah, right. Uh, but it is a bit of an interesting topic in general, this evolution of the, the lacrosse-style goal. I think last time we talked about it, I called it the new wraparound, basically. I think it's something we are going to start seeing more and more of throughout the league. Uh, I do, but I think it'll be more like it happens like five times a year. I think it could happen more than that. I don't. I, it, I, it's not going to be five times a game, certainly, or anything well, no, like a wraparound. I, I don't think it'll be. You know, I mean, it, it, like wraparound goals aren't something that happen very often either. But attempts happen pretty regularly. Yeah, that's fair. But I mean, they don't go anywhere most of the time. That's true. Uh, and I think that's the big thing is that uh, goaltenders have have. Uh, the way that goaltending is taught now is that the, there's nowhere for, for wraparounds to go mostly. Right. Uh, you know, that it, it gets taken away by design by goaltenders. They play the percentages. Hey, it's a lot easier for a guy to wrap a puck around and slide it on the ice than it is to put it above their shoulder, above their neck. And so that's the space that they leave open. That's the weakness with the lacrosse goal, right? With the Michigan. But I I just don't I don't think it's going to start becoming like a like I think it'll it'll happen more regularly in the NHL. It won't be like, oh my God, I can't believe this happened in an NHL game. But it's kind of like guys um doing that thing, you know, where they, they put the stick between their legs and they shoot the puck. Yeah. Yeah. And you see a couple of those goals every year, and it's like it's awesome when it happens, but it's not like you know it's a high skill play, and it happens a couple times a year. And I can see that that's probably where this is headed. I don't. I don't think we're gonna get to the point where it's like you know, there's thirty of these things every season. Yeah, I guess I'm a little bit in between. I do think it could be a bit more common than that. But uh, you're right. That is a good comparison with the between the leg shot kind of thing, because it can only really happen in a specific type of situation. They need to have room to be able to do that and put the puck up on their stick as they're going in or if they're already behind the net. Which Yeah, you need time and space, which are two things that NHL defenses are very good at taking away. Right. Unless you're so, playing the Jets. <laughs> So, right, there there are only specific situations that you can do that in. But at the same time, I do think it's something that players are starting to look for a little bit now. Then they realize, oh, I can do it and take advantage of it. So I do think it's something that will get a little bit more common, but it certainly won't be a nightly occurrence or anything like that. Okay, next question comes from 
Dayton. He asks, do you think the Avs should sell this year's UFAs? Basically, Nieto, and then if Colin Wilson ever gets healthy. It feels like there's internal replacements if there is any sort of market for them. And also, you can throw Greer on that list as well. Uh, I I do think that there's a chance that they do a B-Grog Grave-style swap with Greer um, at some point. Really, I'm yeah. waiting for it now. Um, I think that Nieto is probably not going anywhere, and Colin Wilson won't have any value. Yeah, if I, you're another team looking around, why, like, why Colin Wilson? Why would you target that guy? Right, I don't see Wilson moving either. And I, I, is there a world where Nieto gets moved? Maybe, but I think we've already pretty well established that Bednar very much likes that type of player, and Nieto has <clears throat> embedded himself as part of that part of Bednar's team that the Avs like to stick with those type of guys. Yeah, um, and and part of the culture, he's definitely a big part of their culture and and their uh, their identity and uh, the locker room and all that. Like he's a very good fit there, and so I don't know why. Unless, like, look, if a team comes on and says we'll give you a second round pick for him, then I think you take it. Yeah, right. If if the value's there, the value's there. Exactly, but otherwise. Uh, you know, even a even a third round a third round pick, I would be a little iffier on, uh, because I mean, one Colorado's history there just isn't good enough for me to feel confident that it'll be used well. Yeah, uh, and two, depending on what team it comes from, that thing could be at the end of the third round, and eh, I'm I'm not dismissing the value of top hundred picks. It's just. I mean, let's be real. Any team that's going out and acquiring Matt Nieto is pretty much a cup contender or at very least making the playoffs. If fancies themselves a team that can make a run, yeah. Right. And, like, unless you're really confident that you can replace him. Like, say Kamenev continues to play well. Yeah. And you're like, okay, well, now we've got Kamenev and now we've got Nichushkin. And now, you know, and, and let's say Tyson Jost shows a pulse at some point. When Donskoy comes back, then maybe, you know? Right, because someone's got to sit if you can get consistency out of Kamenev. Exactly. Like, I guess Kamenev would be that X factor there where if they get something extra out of him, uh, it's you say, okay, like, now we're pretty comfortable with this. Uh, We're we're okay moving on from this player that we think is going to leave at the end of the year anyway. But, one, I don't see anybody offering them a third-round pick for him. Uh, nope. And, and two, I'm not buying enough consistency out of Kamenev to to warrant that. It's I just don't see any team going, Matt Nieto is the piece that pushes us over the edge to being a cup contender. And any team that's interested in him can go and get him in free agency. So... I, I don't see teams wanting to pay that price now because they can get them later. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I mean, to to that point, I'm not sure. Uh, and 
crazier things have happened. Look, Brian Boyle got a second round pick last year, so it could happen. But yeah, and Brian Brian Boyle's also one. He's a center, and he does the faceoffs, and he's big. Yep. Uh, and so that checks, and he has a ton of playoff experience. Um, although Nieto certainly has plenty of his own. Um, after the years in San Jose, and then the last two years in Colorado, it's not like Nieto's a stranger. Uh, and and has shown well in the postseason every time he's been there. It's just that this is like a a very specific role player. Yep, I he does one specific thing, and that is skate around fast yeah. and kind of manage puck possession or help you manage puck possession. But yeah, I mean he's he's good at what he does, and right. as long as you're comfortable with that identity, like that's great. He's a useful player, definitely. Uh, and he's a great dude in the room. So um, that would be one reason why I think the Avs probably aren't going to move on from him. But I also just don't – I just don't see them moving um, – I don't, I don't see where they would replace him. And Even if they did possibly have replacements, it's very much not in the Avs' DNA to move on from those guys. Yeah, especially if they're just going to let him walk at the end of the year. It's like, well, we'll just keep this guy in and let him leave. Like, why why move him? So. Yep. Which, you know, asset management-wise is a little frustrating, but when you're also in the business of winning, it also makes sense. Right. And, you know, we'll never know what some of the values on players were, but if the best anyone's willing to offer for Matt Nieto is a fifth round pick, okay, we'll take the last two months of Matt Nieto then. Yeah. I mean, look, if somebody comes and rolls up and offers you a second, you take it in RP. Yep. Pretty a third, simple. A third I would be very on the fence about, and a fourth, it's like with Nemeth last year, a fourth rounder, it's like, no, this guy's going to play every night for you. Yep. Unless Seems- they go out and... Unless they go out and they acquire somebody else and he becomes your odd man out, then you're like, nah, a a fourth for our 13th forward is great. A lot of external factors going on there, basically. So, of course, if you're going out and acquiring another forward, you know, it would be hard to do that without giving one up. But right. (laughs) Not the point. All right. Well, we'll take our first period break here, and it's time to acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. I had a Colorado core today as I was in the office doing the Avs weekly breakdown. The Colorado core is actually really growing on me quite a bit. I've always liked it, but it's kind of my go-to in the office fridge now as I find the Colorado core and have a drink of that one. But we also have plenty of other beers from Breckenridge Brewery as well, whether you're looking for the Strawberry Sky or the Vanilla Porter. They have a ton of choices, and you can find them in nearly every single liquor store around the country if you're here in the States. So keep an eye out for it, and also keep an eye out on the Breckenridge event calendar where we have all of our events planned. Our next event is the upcoming Hall of Fame announcement for baseball with Larry Walker potentially getting in. We're having a little get-together to drink in what 
I unfortunately expect to be sadness, but it could be joy. You never know. And the first Breck brew is on us if you come out to Blake Street Tavern for that. So RSVP and come out and have a good time with us. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. I am Rudo. He is AJ. We are answering your questions. This next one comes from BK Avs. He asks, is Chris McFarland important enough to the Avs front office that they might consider doing something like Vegas did with McPhee and McCrimmon, promoting Sackick to president and McFarland to GM so we can keep him from taking a GM job elsewhere? I think the answer is yes. Uh, I, like I think that. that I think that he has been a big part of their uh, their front office. He's you you look at the front office changes that they've made in the last several years. They've made two major changes. They brought in Chris McFarland from Columbus, and uh, Alan Heppel became the scouting director instead of um, Pracy. Thank you, Rick Pracy, who they fired. So those are the those are the major major changes that they've made, and the Avs front office has been very good in the last couple of years. So I would not be, uh, I I would not be in a hurry to let that guy go. Uh, he interviewed for the Minnesota GM job last summer. I fully expect him to continue to get. Uh, looks as GM jobs open up and um, I think that Colorado letting him go uh, is, is not something they should be in a hurry to do they, I mean, uh, they should definitely offer him up the opportunity uh, to continue the same kind of structure just with the better title and if he's not interested in that uh, then Totally understandable. You know, these uh, these guys all have ambitions, right? And it would make a lot of sense if he just said, you know, I appreciate the offer. Thank you for everything that you guys have done uh, for, for giving me the opportunity in Colorado. And, and then goes. Because, you know, he was an AGM in Columbus forever. But he was the AGM that was predominantly in charge of the AHL team. While he has done a lot more on the pro side of things um, and, and not as much the AHL work because that's Billington's job. Uh, he's been a lot more involved with the NHL team and the NHL scouting and all of those things um, uh, since, since his arrival here. So uh, he's a big part of the reason why that front, the front office has been as successful as it has been in the last few years. I don't know that I would give him sole credit and be like, he's the reason, uh, but he's definitely an X factor for them. And uh, it makes sense that other teams are looking at him. And I think Colorado should try to retain him. Yeah, I mean, McFarland joined the Avs in the summer of 2015, I think it was. So he's been with the team for one year of law, where you can look at that offseason and say, boy, a lot of those acquisitions did nothing. You had the disaster year, obviously, but over these past few seasons, you can see that the Avs free agent acquisitions have had marked improvement from the past. So obviously McFarland has at least something to do with that. The connection to Columbus is obviously there with a lot of the players the Avs have acquired as well. So 
it's pretty clear that there's a certain mark by McFarland left on this team that seems to be positive. And definitely. And he's a guy that has a very good relationship with the players as well. You see him in the locker room after every single game talking to players. And certainly that seems to be something the Avs front office has tried to build themselves on as well, right? Sackick also very well liked by the players. I think Bednar has a solid relationship with the players as well. Essentially, the expelling of Patrick Waugh has pushed the Avs heavily in that direction. So I I do think McFarland fits a lot of the bills that the Avs wants out of their front office. And if that means making Sackick president and McFarland GM to keep it, I don't see why they wouldn't. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Uh, next question. We talked about this a little bit, or at least you mentioned Chushkin at the end of the first period. Mm-hmm. Uh, Feral American asks, should the Avs extend Nachushkin? Yes or no? And if yes, what is that contract looking like at this point? Um, de- at this point, definitely. Um, but you, you have to keep it within reason. Um, he's an RFA, so you still have to treat it as such. And um, as as good as this year has been, you still have to um, understand that this is a this is one good year, uh, and that. You know, even even where he is, he's at what, like 17 points or something? Yeah, I think 16 or 17. I, I don't know where the goal last night put him. Uh, seven, Yeah, 17 points on the dot. Eight goals, nine assists in 42 games. That's great. And uh, if he finishes, if he finishes in the 30 point range, um, then maybe you consider giving him a second year. Uh, I right now I would give him a one year deal and I would just double his salary. I would give him a one year, one and a half million dollar deal uh, as an RFA. Hey, it's a nice little bump from last year. And if he goes out and he does it again, um, given the fact that he's only 24 right now, so he would be 25. Let's see when his birthday is. He's got a March birthday. So he has a he has a late season birthday. So next year will be his age 25 season. He will uh, be 26 next summer. Then uh, if he if coming off that one year deal, then you could give him a two or three year deal. If you wanted to go that route with him, assuming he continues to play well and improve himself and et cetera, et cetera. So that's, that's where I am with it. Um, it's, it's obviously a win for them, but within reason here, you don't need to, you don't need to commit for any reason there. You own his RFA rights because uh, of his age. One year one year right now is what makes most sense. As much as it pains me as a prospect guy, the situation is opening up very well for Nachushkin to fit in. With Colin Wilson almost certainly not returning next season. Yeah, Martin Kaut has had a bit of a disaster of a season in the AHL this year. Yeah, and I mean, I think I think since he got healthy, he's been much better. He's been and much, much better. I agree. But the production still isn't there. I mean, it's been slower to come around if they would stop taking his damn goals away on nonsense <laughs> yeah. kicks. That would be yeah. great. Uh, but yeah, like 
you look at it, it's like he's got like what, like seven points on the season. Like obviously, Six, yeah. You obviously it's a disappointment. See, I'm still counting that goal. Um, <laughs> it's obviously a disappointment. It's not where you want him to be for a first round pick. But you also consider the context of he's not getting power play time. Um, he's not. Uh, he's not playing in their top six, and it's like, what are we even doing here? I I don't want to get too far into the AHL conversation, but I agree that they're not giving the opportunity he needs to break out of it. But talking about it more in regards to the Avs roster, if he's not 100% ready, it's really easy to drop Nachushkin into that Colin Wilson spot. And if you feel like you can get value out of both of them, great, because Matt Nieto's probably not <laughs> coming back next year either. So yeah. there's, there's room to fit Nachushkin in if the Avs want to. Easily. And, and to be honest, I mean, you, you, you also have to consider Shane Bowers is making the push. You do, but Nachushkin's not a center. So I, that's right, not really a huge so forward spots is my point. And they already have a number of center wing hybrid types, et cetera, et cetera. Regardless of all that, you're definitely bringing Nachushkin back at this point. There's no reason not to, uh, especially because he just fits so well into what they do. Um, the size and speed combination is exactly what you want. And he's found enough finishing ability that you're like, okay, great. And, I could give you 15 goals this year. And with the one do- year deal, like you were saying, it's, it's extremely easy if he falls off the cliff again to say, well, that didn't work. We can make him the 13th forward. But right. Exactly. And because he's an RFA, you you control his future. There's yep. no need to go multiple years just because you can. Yep. He's not he's not a UFA. He's not or I'm sorry, he's not an RFA pushing up against UFA like Zadorov and Burakovsky will be. So you don't you just don't have that concern. You give him Perfect. just the one year, um, give him the extend him a qualifying offer, I would double his salary, and then I would call it good. I'm perfectly comfortable with that as well. You know, it, if you're getting 30 points out of a guy that you're paying less than 2 million, that's a win. So you take what you can yeah, get as, as far as Nachushkin is concerned. Uh, next question. This one has absolutely no context. So we'll see what answer comes out of it. But Thomas asks, which do you like better? Thumbtacks or brick walls? What? Thumbtacks or brick walls? Those are your choices. I'm I'm accustomed to like a Pepsi Coke conversation. (laughs) You know, uh, ice cream gelato kind of thing. This is neither. You got to pick one. I'll I'll say thumbtacks because thumbtacks actually make WWE wrestling interesting to me because. I know that actually physically hurts when someone gets dropped on a bunch of thumbtacks. That's something that oh. makes me physically cringe when I'm watching it. That reminds me of the the Saw movie with the tub full of needles. Yeah, that yeah. They t- that they tossed that lady into. Yep. And it was like so cringy to watch as somebody who doesn't like needles. They the one I forget which Saw it was, but the one where they put the guy in like the vat of salt water and barbed wire. And he has to look. Yeah. Right. right. So, yeah, I uh yeah, I don't know. You know, I'm going to go with brick walls just cuz they're not pointy. 
No, no. because uh, if you're if you're say that you're living in a place with brick walls, yeah, uh, I feel like that leads to a naturally cooler environment, and that appeals to me as somebody who likes the cold. Fair enough. I mean. I don't like the cold, but it's still fair that I, brick walls definitely provide shelter and stuff. <laughs> I, I should say I don't like it to be too cold. Like, I'm not like – like, last night I was – like, Evan and I were kind of throwing man baby fits in the press box about how cold it was. <laughs> but it was – first of all, it was justified. It's so cold up there. I don't know why. Uh, but it's like – I think brick walls would just – lead to like a like during the summer i don't feel like the brick would heat up very much and so i feel like it would provide insulation for it to be a little bit of a cooler environment and so that's what i'm thinking of fair enough if you're Where playing I'm, rock play paper scissors as well brick walls definitely beat thumbtacks yeah yeah for sure because you're not using thumbtacks to hang stuff up on a brick wall right <laughs> so not effectively anyway yeah, you you might be convincing me here. You might be bringing me around to the brick wall life. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Go team. All right. Well, we'll end the second period of this podcast on that note. And I got to tell you guys about a Green Mountain Dental Group. At this point, it feels like just about everybody on the abs has had some dental work done. And if you need some too, Green Mountain Dental Group is giving away a free Sonicare toothbrush when you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam. That's right. You simply have to take care of your teeth for Green Mountain Dental Group to hand over a free Sonicare. You can check them out today online or call 303-988-0711 to schedule your appointment today. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. I'm Rudo. He's AJ. We are talking all of your questions. First up in this third period, we have a Oro43. Probably got your name wrong, but I tried. Don't know if you guys have covered this, but what's your favorite non-Avs jersey of all time? Uh, The Whalers jerseys. Yeah. Yeah. I've actually got it's funny because I'm like, oh, I don't like jerseys and I don't care about fashion, but I'm like, I've got opinions. Uh, I, I, I like I love the Whalers jerseys. I also really love the old Islanders fishermen jerseys. The Islanders fishermen I'm with, but I feel like this is more their logos than the actual jersey itself. Oh, OK. Um, Which is fine. Fair, fair I, enough. My answer stays the same. Um, I also really really love what the hurricanes are doing now yeah i really like the new hurricanes jerseys as well yeah the The, the hurricanes thirds i will i will own one one day if uh if somebody wanted to get me one of those just to be nice i would not say no (laughs) you could get me you get me a a a svechnikov canes third and i would definitely own it (laughs) i'm big on wearing jerseys uh because i'm a big dude and they fit awkwardly but um I would definitely own it. Put it in the shadow box or something. I might honestly, I might honestly like frame that and put it on my wall. There you go. Because um, he's he's my probably my favorite player to watch, and that's probably my favorite jersey these days. Yeah, I 
I really like the the Islanders fisherman jersey. I'm with you on that one. A terrible My, jersey, but so bad it's good. Right. My drawback with the Whalers jersey is the logo is amazing, but that mm-hmm. color of green is just not it. See, I, as somebody who doesn't like green very much, I love that green. Yeah? Yeah. I think that's a I think it's the perfect green. I think it's great. Um it feels it feels perfect for Hartford. I don't know why. I don't know. I don't have any opinions on Hartford other than go yard goats. Um, <laughs> but I feel like it's the perfect green for Hartford. It just feels it just feels right. It feels so well done to me. Yeah, that green's just not for me. I I just I do not enjoy it, which is weird because I actually don't mind the like Dallas Stars new green color. But yeah, it's fine. I don't have a strong opinion on that one either, actually. I'm also a sucker for like black jerseys. So like, mm. obviously, everybody loves the team North American under 23s. But... Oh, my God. I saw a McKinnon North America in the wild the other day. Yeah. And I like I I very much am not like somebody who like talks to random people. So like I see like an abs fan out in other cities and I don't like say anything to him. I'm just like, yeah, go you. <laughs> Good luck choices. But I saw that guy the other day at the grocery store and I was like, bro, I love your jersey. And he was like, awesome. Thanks, man. Yeah, I, I, it's an amazing jersey. I didn't even know mm-hmm. about that jersey. I did not realize that it had the Roman numeral 23 on it until yep. just recently. Like it's, it's just so a good, sick man. jersey. Yeah. I'm I'm about it all the way around. But but other jerseys like that, like a couple of years ago, Canada Team Canada had their black stealth jerseys, they call them. Really like those as well. So if I had to pick an NHL one, people won't like it, but I really liked Nashville's jerseys. The like especially when they had their like golden Saturdays or whatever where they were the yellow helmet as well. I really like those. Nope. Like it I, way, way, I, way better than the King Silver ones for this upcoming stadium series. I'll put know, it that way. I don't like those jerseys, but I love that chrome helmet. I hate that helmet. The chrome helmet looks so sick. I'm so annoyed that I have to watch the other team wear it. <laughs> well, we'll agree to disagree on this one. I suspect my love for the Preds jersey is an unpopular opinion, which brings us to our next question. Perfect segue. Aaron asks, what are your most unpopular Avs opinions? AJ, I'll let you take this one first. Uh, Ian Cole is the most underrated Av. I don't hate that with a passion. I think people are extremely critical of him. You know what's funny is that since he's playing well, you don't hear about him anymore. Yeah, everyone just kind of disappears back into the woodwork when he's playing well. Everybody like... It's like it, it, it's like the town from Beauty and the Beast. This is such a strange analogy. <laughs> I realize as I get going down this road, but it's like it's like the town from Beauty and the Beast before Gaston started started riling everybody up to kill the beast. Um, like no pitchforks. Everybody's totally cool with the beast, just living there and doing his thing. Right now, because Ian Cole's playing well, Avs fans are totally cool with Ian Cole just being the beast. <laughs> and they're just fine with, like, leaving him be. They're just like, whatever. It's an accepted thing, right? 
But as soon as something bad happens, as soon as he flubs a puck, there will be one guest on on Twitter that gets everybody all riled up. And it'll be like, get Ian Cole off of this team. Fire Ian Cole into the sun. And like, it will erase like three months of him being rock solid for them. He's not, he's not getting major minutes most nights. Uh, he's, he's being played in an appropriate role. And really weirdly, and I was talking to Evan about this last night, right before this pairing almost gave up a goal. Um, Zadorov and Cole have like bizarrely worked well together. And I think that, I think that Cole has made a case for sticking around through the end of his contract for, for the for next season. I, I, there's a lot of factors that go into that. Um, you know, with Byram and Timmons, et cetera, et cetera, all the other things, contracts, money, all that stuff. But I think Ian Cole is the most underrated av on the team right now. Maybe, right. Not, maybe underrated, maybe underappreciated. Okay. I, I definitely think that's an unpop- unpopular opinion. So I'll stick to something in the same vein. And that is specifically that Tyson Jost is a perfectly serviceable third-line NHL player. Nothing uh, more, nothing less. Is he, though? Yes. He's losing me, man. And I've been his most ardent fan for the last two years, and he's losing me. To the to the point where I'm, I'm going to get... We're, we're getting to the point where I want to start asking Bedner, have you thought about putting... Shane Bowers on your fourth line and scratching Tyson Jost. I'm not because, saying he couldn't do without a scratch, but I don't Shane feel Shane Bowers is pushing hard. Shane Bowers is playing very, very well in the AHL and Tyson Jost has not given this lineup much of anything. Now I will, I say that production wise, the things that I think Jost has going in favor, because I will defend him a little bit after being the doubter here. He works very hard. Every single day, he brings a good attitude to the rink. He's a very good teammate. He's very well liked. Um, he works his ass off. And that's one one reason why I'm not counting him out. That and the fact that he's still very young. He's, I think, the youngest, second youngest player on this team. Yeah. And As, are Gerard and Makar both younger? I don't know, but close, yeah. It's, it's very... It's very close. Um, he's one of the, he's one of the youngest. Well, yeah, we'll just let that be because I'm I'm going to look it up real quick because I'm, <laughs> I can't not. Um, he's the second youngest. Makar's uh, Makar has him by a couple of months. All right, so there you anyway, go. Second youngest player on this team still, and. When you look at the other guys, it's like Makar, Gerard, and Rantanen, and then Cam and Evans, Dorov and Nichushkin, McKinnon, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Which, wow, this team is super young. Um, <laughs> I just think that there's there's a ton of basically every single reason to be high on a player and to keep a player and to like a player, he still has going for him. Except the production. The production is the only thing. When you watch him play, you see good things. There are things to like. Uh, he plays, he plays smart. He plays hard. He, he practices really hard. He's, I basically haven't gotten to talk to him at all this season. Cause he's always the last guy off the ice. I ain't just got that kind of time to sit around and wait an extra 40 minutes every day to talk to him. 
Um, he's he's very very well liked by his teammates, and he has no ego. This is not a tenth overall, former tenth overall pick, who kind of has that attitude, that entitlement. He is dedicated to working very hard. Um, he's also very confident in himself, but not to the point where you're like, bro, bro, come on. I I think there's so much good there, but he has. I don't feel like he's played particularly well lately, and with Bowers making a strong push. I wonder what that would do. So here's my take on the Bauer situation. Ultimately, in many ways, I think Tyson Jost is to the Avs as Matt Nieto was to the San Jose Sharks. And where there's a very real future where the Avs might just run out of room for someone like Tyson Jost. Ultimately, Mm -hmm. he's still a perfectly serviceable NHLer. He's not going to be the most consistent scorer, and and that could change. At at some point, he could figure it out. I don't see it happening with the Avs, though. And he can go on to be a Matt Nieto for some other team, and there might be some inconsistency that drives you a little bit crazy there, where that's why he struggles to break into a top six, but he can Mm -hmm. still provide serviceable scoring. And when things balance out, and he does start putting the puck in the net at least a little bit more than he has been lately, I think a team is really going to get a lot out of him. I just don't know that it's the Avs. Okay. And uh, I, I mean, don't that's... have any real like strong objections there. Uh, it's that the production has gotten to be a, a major problem. It has. It, it absolutely has. But it. I don't like – I said with Matt Nieto, we've seen other players go through that and then eventually figure it out to a serviceable level, at least. Right. I think giving up on him right now would be selling low. Yeah, and for I, sure. I definitely have a fear of that. And the fact that, that he's still very young and the fact that he works very, very hard. Yep. Those are the two. That combination of things is what has me kind of on the feeling of they might make a mistake with him. And it may not be a mistake because maybe when, you know, maybe say he gets moved in a in a deadline deal for a big a bigger name forward, whatever. Um and he blows up elsewhere and he becomes a consistent 40, 50 point guy or something. Even a 30 or 40 point guy would be a huge leap at this point, right? Um and that happens, you could make the argument that that just, it's not going to happen here. And so get something while you can, right? But it definitely does feel like there's the rubber is, is going to have to beat the road at some point with these, with Jost in, in the organization. Just the player that he is and the player that he can be, it may not happen here. Right. I mean, the the reality is the reality is he's just on the clock here. For the first couple of years, there weren't players starting to line up behind him that are going to be fighting for his job very soon. But now they have Bowers in the AHL on the cusp. They have Newhook a couple of years down the line that are going to be looking for not only spots in the NHL, but spots specifically at center, which is where Jost has found himself more often than not. Yeah. So it, it, Maybe he figures it out tomorrow and everything starts to click and the abs extend him and it's great. But if that doesn't come soon, the writing is going to be on the wall eventually. Yeah. So 
I think he's an NHLer. I don't think he's great. I don't think he's an AHLer, and many of the Avs fan base seem to be split one way or the other. While I sit in the middle, yeah, and honestly, um, I honestly I don't even talk about him on Twitter anymore because, because it just causes madness, <laughs> right? Because there isn't a reasonable discussion either direction. Um, yep, the people, the people who are like the people who call him Tyson Ghost. First of all, it's funny, like <laughs> it's. It's a funny nickname. Like I'm, it's derogatory, and I'm like, come on, like it's a little mean, but it makes me laugh. Um, those people, I think, are too far in one direction, and then you know, like I don't, I don't know how many times like Nadia has screamed at me on Twitter about him because we dared to criticize him, and like I think that's too far the other direction, and so it's just like I just I, at this point I don't even want to talk about him anymore because it's like I feel like it just. It's it's almost like the Ryan O'Reilly conversation where everybody's so dug in on whatever side they're on that it's just not a productive it, – it's not productive anymore. Yep. Lighten up. Maybe at least take a look at the other side of the argument. That's my advice. Um, I That's all I got, AJ. It's not that deep. Like, Right. I feel like it's not that deep to just be like, come on. That's, I'm with that's you. where it is. We're, we're talking about a hockey player here. Right. And like, is he good enough to be in the NHL or is he a bust or whatever, whatever your conversation is, however you want to frame it. It's not that deep at the end of the day. It's going to be okay either way. Yep. So (laughs) I guess we'll wrap it up there. AJ, any final thoughts as the Avs do take on the blues less than 24 hours from now? Um, No, I'm good. Cool. I like it. We will end our show there then as i mentioned the afternoon game tomorrow on saturday so we have that to look forward to the podcast will be off and back on monday hopefully by then everyone's voices are back to normal and we can get back to doing our thing as they play that afternoon as well so who knows what we'll have coming for you but keep your ear to the ground and we will talk to you then Tax season has arrived, and Symbio Tax is here to help get the most out of your 2019 tax return. Symbio provides its clients with honest and knowledgeable tax services from a licensed professional. You know, we love taking care of our own here at DNVR, and George at Symbio Tax is a proud DNVR subscriber and diehard ABS fan. Symbio can assist you with rental properties, small business investments, and and understands all the credits and deductions to help out working families. Get a head start on your tax return this year and give Symbio a call today for a free consultation at 720-366-4470 or visit them online at symbiotax.com. That's S-Y-M-B-I-O-Tax.com.